Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Everyone, welcome back to the Ilm Feed podcast. I'm your host, Shabir Hassan. Um, I hope you're all doing well and keeping safe as always. Um, and, you know, today uh, we've got that feeling, I guess a lot of you have that feeling now that we're in the month of Sha'ban, um, that you can just, you know, you can just feel, uh, inshallah, very soon the arrival of Ramadan. And I think lots of us are looking forward to Ramadan. And with Ramadan being the month of the Quran, and, you know, uh, it, it's really important, you know, for us not to just wait for Ramadan to to, to arrive, for us to then start thinking about Quran or reciting it, etc., so I feel like today's episode um, and today's guest in particular um, has come at a really good time uh, because it's going to help us, inshallah, um, you know, reflect over the Quran like we've done in many episodes. But today's one is going to be different. I promise you that. Um, and I have a really good friend, dear colleague of mine uh, joining today. Mashallah, he's, a, he's an imam. He's a teacher. He's an author. Um, we'll talk about his book later on, but he's written a book on memorizing the Quran. Uh, you know, we'll talk about that in, in a bit more detail a bit later on. Um, and like I said, he's a good colleague and friend of mine. Um, and uh, I'd li- like to welcome on, uh, for the first time on to the Umfid podcast, our dear Qari Ishaq Jassad. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. How are you? Alhamdulillah. How are you doing? Alhamdulillah. 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 Thank you for joining us. You know, um, I was just thinking before we started, like, uh, I think we've been trying to organize this for well over a year, <laughs> well over a year. You know what, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Subhanallah, you know what, it's, 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 it's barakah from Allah. You know, um, you know, wa makaru wa makaru Allah, wa Allah khairun wa And like you said, uh, it's probably the perfect opportunity as Ramadan is around the corner, alhamdulillah. So, yeah, yeah alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. No, thank you for taking your time out uh, to, to join us. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you on. And... Um, yeah, I guess, you know, uh, we mentioned Qur'an and we're going to be speaking about that. We have, you know, you, you, you last year published a book as well, mm-hmm. um, 365 Tips to Help You Memorize uh, the Qur'an. So we'll talk a bit about that. And, you know, today we will get into some of those practical tips. Of course, we can't cover um, 365 in one episode. <laughs> we'll, leave the, we'll leave our audience to read your book for that. Um, but we'll definitely cover a few because one of the most common questions that I always get, and I'm sure you always get, when people see, mashallah, these, um, you know, that you've memorized the Quran is, you know, can you help me? Can you, and I'm sure that's why you wrote the book. We'll talk about that. So definitely for those of you listening right now, you know, we are going to get to that. So there's going to be some real practical tips for you to, for you to take away. Before we get into that though, um, I'm, you know, as always with any guests, I'm always interested just to hear about um, the journey really. Uh, When I say journey, I mean like, you know, um, you know, People are different, right? Some people, mashallah, they are raised like from a very young age, right? And they're already studying Quran. They're already like really into it. Others, you know, they they are they have their own journeys. They come from a different lifestyle and background. And then later on in their lives, they they connect with the Quran. Uh, which category do you fall into? Um, I'm just interested to hear like uh, the lead up to when you yeah. decided to start memorizing and studying. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. You know, to be honest with you, uh, it's probably from the younger age. Um, I was I was a very big fan of uh, Sheikh Sudais from Makkah, and um, who wasn't right? <laughs> I know exactly right, and, and not giving my age away, but in those days, we only ever had the blessing to hear Sheikh Sudais or Sheikh Shurin. It was very kind of like limited to those Quran. So I guess you could say it started from a young age, 
Alhamdulillah, I'm very fortunate to come from a family of the Quran where three of my well, all three of us siblings are, alhamdulillah, hafaz in our family. Um, and I've got an identical twin brother. So uh, he played a crucial role in in my Quran journey as well. So yeah, I would say from a young age, my, my parents were not memorizers of the Quran. So there, there wasn't kind of much tarbiyah from a Quranic perspective, but definitely they coached and, you know, always taught us to be balanced between the deen and, and and the world and and i always i'm grateful for them uh to, to them for giving us the opportunity so yeah i would say from definitely a young age um from about the age of five or six i would say um it's it's unique because we never had that quranic role model like most people would say they had a father or like a reciter etc it was more of a case of just we just had that. Allah just gave us that that desire from a young age, subhanAllah. So, mm. so yeah, that's that's pretty much where it started from, from a young age. Hey, you mentioned you have a twin brother, by the way. I'm just, yes. I just want to make sure that I'm speaking to the right person <laughs> right now. I'm not speaking to your twin brother, right? This is... This is Qadiyah's heart, right? Just to yes, confirm. yes, yes. No, his, his name is Ismail. <laughs> his name is Ismail. And uh, no, no, he's, uh, mashallah, um, yeah, my, my identical twin brother. Uh, and we, uh, ironically, we started memorizing the Quran on the same day and we finished... Uh, pretty much the same time as well, alhamdulillah. No way. Mashallah. Yeah, that's amazing. And, and your Ismail and Ishaq. I love that yes. as well. Right? <laughs> alhamdulillah. That's amazing, alhamdulillah. 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 No, that's, that's really good to hear. And of course, you know, it always helps when you have that kind of environment, right? You know, when you have, for example, a sibling, when your family are kind of into that. Um, whereas, you know, for, for others, of course, they may come from a background where they, they're really trying hard, but maybe their family don't come from um, mm. that background. So, I mean, mashallah, that, that's great to hear that you started fairly young um, I mean it's similar to myself as well you know fairly young having that motivation listening to different reciters you know that same kind of era of you know Sheikh uh, Shuraim and Sudeis and so yeah. on right yeah. um, so, so so that's that you know definitely I can relate to that um, again like when when it comes to just your general kind of upbringing or journey to the Quran because you know you can always like as a, as a child or as a kid you can always study the Quran right but it might just be like you're doing it and, you know, it's mm. like, okay, I'll just get this over and done with kind of thing. When do you feel like you've really like started to appreciate like this is this is it? You know, the Quran for me is just a life changer. Like, did, did you feel that at some point in your life? I, I did. Uh, there, there were actually two stages. One was when I initially started my hips class when I was about seven or eight. Um, my teacher, Ustad Ilyas, may Allah grant him a long life, mashallah, he, um, he memorized the Quran in six months. So he, he's originally from India and he came to the UK. He was the first imam at the Qawatul Islam Mosque in, in London, in East London. So um, um, his memory was on point, by the way. He's, he, he actually made me feel that, you know what, this is who I want to be for the rest of my life. Just, just to be honest with you, right? He was my role model, my every, subhanAllah, even to this day, I still ask him for advice, alhamdulillah. And um, one of the things I'll touch upon later when we talk about the book as well, it's, it's the connection with the teachers. And I think um, he helped to shape my outlook of the Qur'an for the rest of my life. He would always kind of give us these one-liners, this nasiha, this advice, you know. Um, and yeah, that pretty much the relationship I had with him was very formal, strict, disciplined, engaging, but at the same time, he, he could say one word, and from that one word, you could take a million lessons from that. Mm-hmm. That was the kind of relationship. He spoke very less, but, you know, his just aura, his presence, you know. So um, after Sheikh Sudeis, I would say my Ustad has definitely been, 
you know, the, the one person who I feel, you know what, I want to be like for the rest of my life. Um, and, and yeah, even later on in my life, I, I, you know, we'll talk about a bit later as well. Even when I had my ups and downs in my teenage years and growing up, um, there was actually a few moments where he stepped in and had it not been for him to step in, I would maybe have deteriorated or maybe have gone a bit further away from the Quran. So mm-hmm. even throughout my highs and lows, he's always been that inspiration for me, alhamdulillah. Um, so yeah, um, definitely. You, right, the importance of just having that figure, that senior figure, that teacher, um, mentor, if you want to call it, in your yeah. life, I think yeah. it just yeah. shows you, right? You know, you, you mentioned uh, ups and downs and that's that's natural, right? Everyone is going to go through that. In, in an, I, I think anybody listening right now um, will will have to just acknowledge and accept the fact that mm. even if you're a hafid of the Quran, even if you're an alim, whatever, um, it's not going to be it's you know it's not going to be like a, an easy streak for, mm. for the rest of your life. You will have you will yeah. have lows and yeah. you will struggle at times. You know to to keep up with the Quran, for example. You know, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about that. Is one thing is memorizing the Quran, and as Hafid, we always say that retaining the Quran is just something else, right? That's yeah. that's a yeah. lifelong struggle and, and journey in and of itself. Um, so let's just quickly go to, I mean, you mentioned ups and downs. Like, what, what is it exactly do you mean by that teenage years? What kind of struggles did you face? Like any teenager, I'm sure, will face a struggle. But what was some of yours, if you don't mind sharing? You know, this is just, um, just whilst you're saying that, um, just the word teenage, um, a lot of people assume, uh, you know, it's the fun part of your life. It's when, you know, carefree there's no struggles etc and and this is pretty much you have to understand the dynamics of my teenage years are different to what's happening today but um yeah so the teenage years were quite challenging um meaning that i i did my hips so just to give you a breakdown i've completed my hips at the age of 11 or 12 um so well before my teenage years right One of the disadvantages I feel that I've had is not being able to understand the Quran when I did memorize the Quran. So mm-hmm. I wasn't able to understand Arabic. I memorized it, alhamdulillah. I had a very short memory. Uh, I, I memorized the whole Quran in 18 months, alhamdulillah. Mm-hmm. And even after that, I didn't go to tafsir class. I didn't understand the seerah. I didn't pursue my Quranic studies, which was, subhanAllah, something which I do sort of regret in, in, in a good way in the sense that I... It was a development I feel I should have done at that time in my life. Moving on, when I started um, school, uh, obviously it became more kind of freedom, so to speak, you know, that because I was going to his class in the morning to the evening, we would go from uh, six in the morning to eight in the morning, and in the evening from 4.30 to 7.30, Monday to Friday and Saturday in the morning. So the whole week was hectic. Now, coming out of that schedule and just going to school now, you haven't got that, like you mentioned, the mentorship, that, that guidance. My teacher it's wasn't like there bubble, every day. Exactly, box. exactly, yeah. So that, that guidance was not there. Um, and, and this basically um, made it difficult for me to, I would say, in, in that sense, progress um, as a teenager because obviously parents are there, but it's being able to make those right decisions at the right time. That's what really kind of made it challenging for me. So... Peer pressure was one, definitely. Having the like, you know, the the friends, the the social circle, I would say, that played a huge part. Um, also, I think just understanding what freedom is. I was given so much freedom in the sense that I wasn't going to madrasa, I wasn't going to mosques, I was just going to school. I was concentrating on my own self. But I think there was a huge part of me where I wasn't really taking my education seriously as I should have as well. Um, and again, 
this is because of relationships, uh, sort of friendships with uh, peers. You know, um, Alhamdulillah, I didn't go to the extreme of drugs, alcohol, etc. But there was a lot of kind of involvement in certain groups, uh, gangs, etc. I was caught up in a bit of that as well in college. Um, so it's, it sort of started from year 10, year 11, really. Just understanding what that freedom looks like and just trying to basically paint a different picture of your journey. And um, slowly, slowly, um, uh, you know, I'm not ashamed to admit it as well. Um, music is something that was a huge part of my life. You know, I was heavily involved in music, um, not just listening, but to the point of where even, uh, you know, having the company of producers, people that actually, you know, nowadays, I think the youth call it the, the grime scene, I think they call it now. Yeah. In those days, it was Garage. So UK Garage actually started from, the late 1990s, you know, early 2000s, etc. So you had the whole genre of music. And I think what it was is just being part of that journey really confused me in the sense that I started to pay more attention to music than the Quran. Mm. And what happens is, as you know, um, it sort of made me come away from the Quran. It, it took me farther, further away from the Quran. Alhamdulillah, I, I, didn't, I didn't forget my memory, but you know, the, the, the usual times that I would spend with the Qur'an, those times were not there. The usual times I would pray my salah, those times were not there. So, you know, I was a sort of kind of choosing a lifestyle which was kind of new. I wasn't used to it, if you get what I mean. Absolutely. Yeah, I think there was always going to be that struggle, um, especially when it comes to memorizing or finishing the memorization at such a young age. Um, you know, like we said, that's just one part of the journey, the memorization itself. But then after that, you know, what then happens and what shapes and forms those years of, you know, those teenage years or whatever it may be, um, those those early years, adolescent years, if you want to call them. I think that's always going to be a struggle. And that's one thing I think um, is not, a, I'm not going to say it's a disadvantage. I think it's always a blessing to finish your memorization at an earlier age. Um, but, you know, to, to then hold on to the Quran. You have to be in the right environment. You have to, you know, um, have good surroundings, good company, um, good teaching, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, so I think all of that is is really important. Um, one thing. So, so at, at what point would you then say um, that you know, of course, later on after your teenage years, etc. Um, you know, you mentioned music and, and so on. But then afterwards, you know, when did you kind of reconnect with the Quran? When did you? Uh, come back to the Quran. I know you mentioned your teacher and so on, but yeah. at what point do you feel like it was a turning point again? So when I was in college, um, I remember um, there was an incident which happened. Um, I got involved in a bit of incident and uh, subhanAllah, I ended up basically in hospital at the time. Um, and basically my memory, I'd, I had a short-term memory loss. So uh, essentially what happened is I had concussion and um, I wasn't able to recall certain parts of that particular day so my parents came to me uh, the doctors came etc I, I remember being in the hospital and uh, I remember it so clearly subhanallah um I, w- I was very panicked you know I was like what's going on here I couldn't I couldn't even basically um identify who my parents were at that particular time and and uh, and the only thing that I was kept on being told at the time, uh, Imam Yunus was one of the chaplains at the time at the hospital. Um, he actually then called my teacher. My teacher came as well later on to see me. And I remember my teacher kept on reciting the Quran. Right, he came to see me, and 
I hadn't seen my teacher for many years because remember I finished his from a young age. When he started reciting, subhanAllah, I was forgetting everything else, but whatever he was reciting to me, I was repeating after him. So if he if, if the Nose is saying to me, What's this or who's this person? What do you do today? What did you do yesterday? I couldn't do that. I couldn't answer the questions. But when I was being asked to recite the Quran, the subhanAllah, you know, it's everything just kept on coming back. And I, I wasn't hesitating. I was it and, and then after there was a moment I was crying, you know, it was, it was emotional because obviously I was feeling a bit frustrated. After that moment, um, I made a decision that you know what, I I need the Quran in my life. I need to come back to the Quran. And it so happened that a few years later, coming back to your question, um, I was in Hajj in 2006. It was the first ever Hajj journey I went to. And I remember being sat in the Haram and there was an old gentleman sat next to me. I was by myself. Um, and this was my first ever Hajj journey. I was reciting the Quran. And this was the first few times where I was just reciting Khatam after Khatam after a long time. Um, and I was reciting Quran, there was, and the gentleman in front of me, he basically started reciting the Quran and he started crying in agony and pain. He had crutches. He was quite old, maybe in his 70s. So he said to me in Urdu, he asked me in Urdu, you know, are you a hafid? I said, yes, alhamdulillah, I'm a hafid. And he said, look, can you help me? So I thought he might just want some help reciting the Quran or he might be in health problem or something like along those lines. So as I'm reciting to him, and by the way, this story I experienced personally. So you can imagine for me in that moment, I was a bit shook. I was a bit like, why is he asking me for help? You know, is you know, you hear the stories of some people just asking for money, etc. You don't yeah, know what yeah. to expect. I was young as well. I was literally, I think, just turning 19 or something at that time. So anyway, it so happened that um, he was reciting the Quran and he wanted me to read with him. So we prayed Surah Kafirun, uh, Surah uh, Masad, uh, Surah Falak, etc. in order. And then we finished Qalada Rabbin Nas. When we finished Surah Nas, he grabbed hold on to my arm. Literally like like this, like so so hard, and and then he started crying, right? For a good two three minutes, he was crying. I was I was I didn't know what to do, right? Then as he recollected himself, he said to me, "Look, thirty five years ago, my my son passed away. My son was memorizing the Quran. He memorized I think twenty one or twenty two juz, and he didn't get the opportunity to finish the Quran in terms of hifth. When he passed away, I made the intention that I'm going to memorize the Quran and go for Hajj." So he said to me, son, in this moment, you're witnessing two of my du'as being accepted. One, I am now finishing the completion of my Qur'an and I am in my first hajj. So this uncle was about 70-something. Now, just for the viewer's information, this, this uncle was, I think, 34, 35 years after his son passed away as well. So a good 30 years had elapsed between his son passing away and him being there. So he struggled. He was telling me afterwards how he, he would struggle to retain his memory, but he still persevered. So Allah gave him the opportunity to finish the Quran inside the haram and complete hajj as well. And it was amazing. Wow. That was for me, whenever I teach my students, I always tell them, number one, age is nothing but a number and anyone can memorize the Quran. Wow. So yeah, that was the turning point. And I was like, I need to come back to the Quran, man. You know, I've so many teenage years have elapsed, you know, Forget the music, forget the groups, forget the, you know, forget the boys, forget all this. I need to just focus back onto the Quran. And wallahi, you know, subhanAllah, since that day, alhamdulillah, it, it was a life changer for me. Mm, wow, subhanAllah. That's a complete stranger as well. Like you just randomly met in the haram exactly. itself. Exactly, Amazing, exactly. Amazing, subhanAllah. It's like, uh, you know, I think everyone has those turning points. And sometimes you can just almost say like, Allah yes. sends someone your way. 
you don't even know who they are, but Allah may send someone into your life that yeah. just gives you that gives you that reminder, subhanAllah. So that's that's amazing to hear. Alhamdulillah. Moving forward now, because you know, like I said, I, I love hearing about the background and the journey. Um, mm. And now, you know, more recently, we said, you know, you've you've published a book on memorizing the Quran. So, you know, through I know that your organization, National Hafiz Association, as well, mm. um, you know, you're connecting with more and more Hafiz um, across the world, right? Um, yeah. And you've kind of dedicated, you know, your your time and your and uh, you know your your journey towards the Quran itself. Um, let's talk about before we come to the book again. Let's 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 actually talk about um, because look, I've got the book here, of course. So for the for our viewers, uh, you can see for those of you who are watching right now, three hundred sixty-five tips to help you memorize the Quran. This was just came out. How, how long ago now? Has it has it been a year? Uh, it's been Subhanallah. Yeah, it's going to be a year literally. I think 20th yeah. of March tomorrow was the oh, when we published wow. it. Subhanallah. I think wow, so. Mashallah. Yeah, so it's been a year. It's been a year. Mashallah. So look, it's it's pretty amazing. So, so the concept basically is that it's one tip for each day of the year. 365 tips, 365 days of the year. Uh, nicely formatted, uh, very easy to read, very easy to pick up. So this is the book. Now, I'm sure a lot of people are wondering, you know, like so we want to find out what some of these tips are. Let's 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 have a taster. And alhamdulillah, because you're from the background of memorizing Quran. I'm also, alhamdulillah, from background of memorizing the Quran. You know, I thought it would be great to have this discussion now. So on your end, uh, Qadi Ishaq, like what, mm. what would you say um, is the, the first few top tips? If a student comes to you, maybe they even yeah. haven't even started memorizing or they've just started memorizing, what are the first things that you are going to tell them um, to keep in mind going forward? I think it's two key words, intention and schedule. And, and the reason why I say that is because a lot of people struggle with one or the other. So they might have the right schedule, but the intention is not there. Or the intention yeah. is there, but the schedule is all over the place. Um, what I mean by intention is, it's not just saying, It's not about just saying, oh, every action is judged according to its intention. Yes, that is correct. But yeah. practically, how are you implementing that? So when I was writing the book, um, I did a bit of research. I spoke to a few people and, you know, you kind of, get an understanding of where people are at. And a lot of times, a lot of the youth, especially youngsters, um, they'll start the memorization journey because of parents telling them to, or someone has memorized the Quran inside their family, right? Mm -hmm. So they wouldn't necessarily understand why they're doing the hips journey. I think the key word is why. Why are you doing the hips journey? You know, why are you memorizing the Quran? Why do you want to be a hafid? Why do you want to be a hafid? So those are the key questions. So I would say definitely... If you have the intention in place, then the next stage is to make a schedule. Now, the schedule looks different for me, for you, for everyone else. So you have someone who is, for example, may go to a boarding school, may go to a maktab where they go to, like I did morning and evening. Someone who may do the hifs uh, privately at home with a parent. So everyone's schedule is different. But the purpose of this book, and I've mentioned it in the book as well, is it's not just you have to read a tip every day. Yes, that's the aim behind it. But um, it's about you making time for the Quran. So Allah loves those deeds that are done consistently on a daily basis, right? So even, okay, if you can't spend every day, but if your schedule is four days a week, say, or three days mm -hmm. a week, stick to those three days a week or four days a week. Don't just change it for the sake of it. So one of the key things in schedule is consistency. You need to be consistent in your hips because it's like a domino effect. If one day you lose out, another day you lose out, 
your memory retention will slowly start to deteriorate. Um, you know, the same maybe with Salah, for example, if you're someone that prays regularly, but maybe one day you might miss a few Salahs, etc., etc., you know, slowly that love for Salah or that, that connection with Allah is going to fade away bit by bit. And again, when you're memorizing the Quran, you're connecting with Allah. So you want to make the most out of it. But I think it's important to note that everyone's schedule is different. A lot of people actually stop or don't pursue the Quran memorization journey because they feel you have to do it every day. Yes, every day is important, but if you're a busy person, you can't commit to it every day. There are other ways around it. Um, mm-hmm. and, and inshallah, I will be hopefully uh, in Ramadan. I'm actually in the process of doing a pre-recorded course on the book itself. So each each part of the book is split up to a module and I'll be explaining in detail about these sections as well. But yeah, just going back to what I was saying, it's important that um, you know people have this you know, understanding that it's 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 not just one street fits all. You know, everyone has their own memorization journey. Everyone has their own uh, timing. Everyone has their own limitations. So whatever is best for you, but identify what works best for you and stick to it on a regular basis. Mm, yeah, that's a good piece of advice. I think um, schedule is a really important one. Whenever anyone asks me, actually, one thing I just say is one piece of advice I give. Of course, after like intention and everything, is just get started. Uh, and I know that sounds like a very simple uh, piece of advice, but basically what I've realized a lot of people do is they like overthinking it. They're like, you know, I need to plan this, I need to plan that, I need to, you know, do it. Like, I'm just like, what's stopping you from just, it's even if you don't have a teacher right now. Yeah, it's procrastination, like, isn't it? There's a lot of procrastination. Yeah, yeah literally, yeah. that is it. And, and procrastination, as we know, is is a tool of the devil, right? <laughs> literally, he just, he doesn't want you to start. Like, just yeah. literally... Yeah. Even if it's like I don't know Surah Surah Al Kawthar Surah Al Qadr, like you don't you have if you don't know it yet, yeah. What's to stop you from just going on YouTube, listening, and just memorizing the most basic thing? Now, what we try to do is oh, okay, but we start thinking of oh, you know Surah Al Baqarah. That's like you know how many verses is that? <laughs> it's like hundreds of verses. How am I going to do that? It's like start small, just yeah. get started. Once you start, as you would know, you just you fall in love with it, right? You fall in love with the process. You memorize one. Then you're like, oh, that, that feels good. Or you recite it in your salah. And you're like, whoa, that's a new surah. I, I, today I recited surah al-duha. I've never recited that before. That motivates you. Okay, surah al-sharh, let's move on. So I think I always say to people, what's stopping you from just memorizing one surah today? Right? You don't yeah. need to keep asking, asking, asking. Good. Yeah. Preparation planning is good. So again, one, one question I wanted to ask you was, um, in terms of where to start, would you say it's always better to start at the end of the Quran, uh, do you think that helps? Do you think it doesn't make any any difference? Like, what would your advice be? I think um, when it comes to memorizing the Quran, in terms of basically um, whether you start from middle, beginning, or end, I mean, a lot of people. So there's two main ways. So some people do it where they do uh, start from just Amma. Some people do it where they start from Baqarah for the beginning or then. Very rarely do people start from middle, but some people do. Another route, the third way, is some people do like. Yasin, Waqia, Surah Kaf, Surah Yusuf, like the key surahs that you recite or you hear on a daily basis. I think, again, it's based on your capability. And the one, one thing I want to mention here as well is that a lot of people, they do get put off because they feel that they can't memorize the entire Quran. And remember, you're not being asked to memorize it all in one go. 
Surah Baqarah, you're not meant to memorize all 286 verses in one go. It's one verse at a time. Take it slowly. You know, don't over, you know, don't overpressure yourself. You know, don't exert yourself too much. So I would say um, a lot of people do start from the back. That's becoming quite a popular method, especially for the adult learners. So one of my family members recently, he started to memorize the Quran. He started from just Amma, and then he's going to work his way to 27, etc., 28, 29. And then hopefully, one, once people get from 27, they tend to move on to Baqarah. Um, but again, a lot of people, like I know many uh, countries in the African continent, students tend to do it. I know you had um, Hafiz Usman from Turkey uh, recently as well. They start from the back. So there's another way where you start it from the back and you memorize the verses like from the fifth verse to the fourth to the third, etc. Mm. So there are different ways. I guess, um, again, not to procrastinate, but try and research what's the best method for you. Some people may try and test it as well. Like it has happened, for example, I know people who have started from just Amma. So this is a bit too easy. Let me start from Baqarah now. So some people choose to start from the back and then go off to Baqarah from the front. Some people just deep dive straight away. I call it a deep dive because Surah Baqarah is not the shortest Surah in the Quran. Um, again, it's based on your own capability. But yeah, if the vast majority of people that are watching are parents or professionals or people that are, have busy schedules, then obviously that's something that, you know, that needs to be accommodated. So you can't do it where you maybe the shorter verses help you to build more confidence in Juz Amma because mm-hmm. Juz Amma has, I think, historically, even even as the Quran, the compilation of the Quran, Juz Amma has the most amount of verses per page compared to any other Juz, for example, right? So, mm-hmm. again, if that builds up confidence, that's fine. But it's, it's just depending on you. But don't limit yourself. If you feel that you only want to memorize half the Quran, one quarter of the Quran, or even if you just want to memorize Juz Amma, set a goal that's good for you you know mm-hmm. if you feel you can't do the whole quran then that's fine you can always come back to it later a lot of people then assume that if i memorize one just oh it's haram for me to not do the whole quran no that's mm-hmm. not true yes it's not really liked the prophet peace be upon him encouraged the sahaba to to memorize to frequently remember but if you memorize whichever portion from the quran you must retain it that's your responsibility but just, you know, relax. Whatever you can do. If you can do one juice, that's fine. If you can do one page, that's fine. But just take each day as it comes. And remember, a lot of people have, like I mentioned the story of the uncle from, from the Haram. Some people spend 30 years or 20 years or 40 years. So however that journey looks for you, whether it's short term, medium term or long term, just take each day as it comes and, and you know, see, take it from there, inshallah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, yeah, I mean, even with myself, to be honest with you, like um, uh, the method that you mentioned where you started with um, some of the longer surahs, that's actually what I did when I was, when I was much mm. younger. So I actually first memorized, I think one of the first surahs I ever memorized was Surah Yasin, and then Surah Al-Rahman, Surah Al-Waqi'ah, yeah. um, Surah Al-Mulk. And then actually what I did was I memorized 30th juz and 29th juz. Um, and one thing I always tell uh, a lot of my students is, um, and this is obviously when I was really young, it was before I even officially started yeah. my hips. Yeah. Um, before I enrolled, so what, one thing that used to happen was um, it was the 29th Juz, and I remember the CD. It's, it's so funny you mentioned Sheikh uh, Sudeis and Sheikh Sudeis yes, because yes. it was both of them. It was yeah. like half half, right? Yeah. So every single day, uh, it used to be playing in my house. Yeah. That, that same CD, which happened to be the 29th Juz, so basically from Surah Al Mulk onwards, and it was Sheikh Sudeis reading most of it, and I think Sheikh Shurain came in uh, yeah. towards the end, right? And when I say I listen to it every day, I mean like months on end like non-stop it was part of the routine mm. and because obviously i was really young then i was probably like 10 11 years old right and obviously, as you know your memory your brain is like a sponge mm. at that point mm. um so 
I remember within a few months, I memorized the whole of the 29th Jews without sure. ever looking into the yeah. Mus'haf. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. you can do that when you're young, right? Yeah. Like I couldn't do that now, uh, yeah. but I, I could get away with that when I was a lot younger. Um, yeah. So I know there's different types of learners as well, right? You've got like mm. visual learners, auditory mm. learners, etc. Again, like, you know, I think this is also something that I always advise yeah. is try and figure out what kind of learner you are, because listening to the Quran actually can help a lot of people. Uh, not that we're saying you don't look in. That's still important yeah. uh, because there's a, there's an element of visual there. Um, but what kind of learner did you figure out that, that you were uh, along the process? Um, I think it's interesting you mentioned that because remember, in, in I would say probably around 15, 20 years ago, going a bit big, maybe about 25 years ago, <clears throat> we weren't exposed to many kind of learning techniques or yeah. like methods. Nowadays, mashallah, because I'm a teacher by profession as well, right? So I'm kind of exposed to these learners on a daily basis. So I would say I was more of a audio learner. That makes sense. I was very, I was very fast at picking things up, mm-hmm. a bit like how you mentioned. So we never had CDs in those days, right? Not given my age away, but we never had CDs or USBs and YouTube wasn't even invented. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, one thing I really get, um, subhanAllah, one thing I really get mesmerized is how many resources people have today to memorize the Quran. So true. Right? You look at now, like, if we did a podcast on every single resource available to me, you wouldn't be able to do it, right? Yeah. Um, and it's so, they're so vast. And um, this is one thing. So going back to what you asked me, I think I was more of a listener. Um, I, I would frequently, and, and even to this day, alhamdulillah, one of my habits is whenever I'm driving the car, I always do my, my door, which is like what you've memorized. I always have the CD playing or the, you know, the audio playing and I listen, recite at the same time. This was something my Ustad taught me from a young age, that if you listen and repeat, listen and repeat, it's mm-hmm. a very good tool, especially nowadays where you have mobile applications, you have YouTube videos, you have so much technology that has advanced that, you know, uh, people can actually listen. And it, literally, you don't even, some people don't even have a teacher, but they just have a reciter. You know, I know of people that their teacher is Sheikh Sudais or Sheikh Mishari al-Farsi, you know, and, and because they may be living in an area where there's no teachers available, but they have access to these resources. Mm-hmm. So definitely um, having a sharp ear is very important. Uh, people don't understand, but, you know, by just listening, you can learn so much. So whenever I, I remember I had a cassette player in my, my lesson, so just to give you a practical example, if my lesson was the first page of Surah Baqarah, Alif Kitab that one page, I would have to rewind and forward, rewind and forward on the cassette player, and I would listen, 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 good, listen. Good old Walkman days. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. Walkman. I think we had a massive, those massive ones, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, it's it's... It's amazing how much you pick up by just listening. And and even my daughter, subhanAllah, my daughter is nearly going to turn four. Um, you know, uh, mashallah, she recently just surprised us, right? Because she was learning with my wife and myself, Surah Masat, So I would read to her, we would play it on YouTube. And just randomly last week, she just recited the whole surah by heart to my wife. We were like, where did you learn this? But my daughter is someone that's very sharp in picking up things audio-based. So when we're playing a video, there may be cartoons. And this is for parents. For parents, I would recommend there's so many good YouTube playlists where children are watching the cartoon visually, but the recitation of the Quran is in the background. So they might be watching Baby Shark or Coco Melon or whoever, but the recitation of the Quran is playing. And again, that's you know, 
making them aware that the Quran is being played. They're not really focusing so much more maybe on the Quran, but the listening is there and the visually is for what they're watching at that time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's something that I, I would say I was more of an audio learner. And I still probably am. Even when I'm learning my deen Islamically, um, I enroll to many online courses, you know, listening. Uh, you know, it's amazing that you can get rewards by even listening to the Quran as well, just yeah. reciting. Exactly, exactly. Now, I think that's an important point you touched on, like how much resources there are today. For us, you yeah. know, back in the yeah. day, it was you, you take in your mushaf to the class. Yeah. Um, you have maybe like a diary or planner where your teacher ticks it off. That's, there's no resource. It was just like repetition. Yeah. It's repetition method. Keep reading, yeah. keep reciting. And, then and you know, if you ask me, if you asked me like when I was that age, if you said to me, which reciters did you know at that time? I only knew two. Yeah. Sulais and Shuraim, yeah. right? Yeah. If you ask someone today... They've got a, so many. a whole... Yeah. So know, many. They've got a whole so range of reciters. And I think that is, uh, you know what, I think that's su- such an important point to mention yeah. to our viewers is like, you know, not that you know, I don't want to just be harsh and say you don't have any excuse, but you know, like with the with the with the pool of resources that we have, you can go on YouTube, listen to any reciter, mm. slow, fast. Mm. You know, you 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 choose your you know you you yeah. choose your pick, you yeah. take your pick, um, and then you know you can go online and you can find classes. You know, like the, once upon a time, like you know, you know my background, right? Uh, yeah. uh, uh, like where I'm from, like yeah, yeah. Devon, like in the yeah. UK. There's no way. <laughs> Literally impossible for me to to find someone there that could have taught me Quran. I had they, to. They, 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 know, they, had they to probably haven't. Yeah, they probably haven't even heard of Sheikh today. So Sheikh Shri. Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. It's like you know, unless you like got TV or something. You know, like you see what I mean. Yeah. So yeah. back then there was literally no way unless yeah. I moved, which we that's what we did. We moved yeah. to literally cities. We relocated just to find a madrasa, which was yeah. like hours away from where we lived. Right. Yeah. But nowadays. Even if you live in a remote place, as long as you have internet, you mm. can find a tutor from yeah. Egypt, from UK, mm. whatever. You could like literally. There's so yeah. much out there, Hamza, that's made it easier for us with technology and so on. So I think I'm um, really like when I say that you don't have an excuse. I mean, uh, it's not that I'm yeah. being harsh, and I'm saying that no, everyone definitely. has to become hafiz, mm. but you can. You know, you've yeah. got lots to, to choose from. You know, also I should mention that uh, Umfi did release an article as well on this. So uh, we developed an app called Tahfidh, uh, T-A-H-F-I-D-H, Memorize app. You can download it for free on Android and Google. And again, uh, when we developed the app, we saw just how many resources there were in terms of like, um, you know, different types of reciters, etc. So even like in lockdown, I saw so many articles, people just using apps or websites People started the Quran memorization journey in March, and some people even finished it in lockdown as well. And, wow. and, and so, it's it's amazing. It's amazing. Yes, yeah, so I think all of, all of these tips are are uh, mashallah really good. And and these are all just beginning tips. You know, like mm. obviously we can't. You know, we'll have to spend a few podcast episodes, I think, to go through yeah, yeah. in more depth. I know people are going to have lots of questions. Um, let's frame it a bit more now, perhaps around Ramadan. And mm. not that mm. you have to wait until Ramadan to do anything. You can start today, right? Mm. As you're listening to this, you can get started. But I think what's beautiful about Ramadan is it being the month of the Quran. And naturally, Muslims around the world have a deeper connection with, with the Quran in this month. They find it easier. There's mm. that spiritual kind of vibe going on. Um, what, what tips would you give someone just in the month of Ramadan um, itself? You know, I know naturally we're going to be reading more. We're going to try and do khatams. But mm. in the memorization, which is quite often neglected, um, what would you say, what kind of tips would you give them in Ramadan to get themselves started? So um, in my book, I've actually got a section called Ramadan tips. And there's 30 nice. tips. 
So um, I would say we're now in the month of Sha'ban, right? So use Sha'ban to plan your Ramadan. And the reason why I say that is because um, one interesting fact I would mention is when I released my book, right? When I was writing the book and when I released it, I was not aware that there's going to be a lockdown. It just so happened Allah made it so that lockdown happened a few weeks after my book was released. Mm. There was a huge influx of orders. A lot of people pre-ordered the book. Why? Because Ramadan was around the corner as well and because of lockdown. So the book helped a lot of people to start a routine. And subhanAllah, I've received so many emails and messages from people that said the book has really helped me. It's been a year since I've had the book. So what I'm yeah. doing at the moment, I'm actually reaching out to people that bought the book to try and get an understanding of how it's been for them uh, a year into the book. So I would say definitely plan your Ramadan from now. Like if you're someone that has always wanted to memorize the Quran, then make a plan from now until the end of Sha'ban. That look, I'm definitely going to start memorizing the Quran. And remember, you don't need to do all in one go. No one's asking you to memorize a surah. Don't over-pressure yourself. Don't give yourself an unrealistic target. Set something that is smart, that is realistic and achievable. Um, there's a second type of person who maybe might have started memorizing the Qur'an last year, but just maybe didn't get a chance to come back to it. So Ramadan is always a good opportunity to come back to the Qur'an. And obviously, it won't just take a book. It won't just take the Qur'an. It's going to take a daily basis or regular effort from your side to build up that connection with the Qur'an. Um but I would say make a sincere intention that when you start memorizing the Quran is Ramadan, make it so that you're going to continue even after Ramadan. So Ramadan should be like your first point, your starting point, and then you continue later on. Um, making a schedule is very good. So we have something which is called a HIPS record logbook, which we sell on our website as well, which you can buy. Um, so when you when you type in, I think, get my 365 .co.uk. You can buy it on the website. There's many journals and productivity journals, etc. Yeah. that are out there. Maybe getting a journal could be a starting point. Um, it's something we're working on at the moment, inshallah, to develop a HIFS journal later on this year. But, um, you know, making a, a safe space for you to write, to set goals, make your own planner. You know, there's very cool, um, I think Yungfid have done one already, where it shows you how many verses you read per day and how long it will take you to memorize the Quran. So mm-hmm. use that as a starting point. But I would say definitely just use Sha'ban as your planning month. This is so important because a lot of people just deep dive straight away. Like they just say, oh, Ramadan's tired, I'm fasting today, I want to start memorizing the Quran. But they haven't planned anything. They don't know how are you going to do it? How are you going to achieve that? How many verses are you going to read every day? Have you found a teacher? Have you found a mentor? Have you found a coach? Have you yeah. found... A... And, and, and one thing, uh, one recommendation I'll give if this is something that's helped previous HIV uh, students as well. Choose a reciter that you're going to listen to for the whole of Ramadan. The reason why I say that, you know, when you mix and match recitations, um, it can help to have an impact. Uh, it actually loses the impact of retention. When you listen to one reciter over and over again, like how I did when I was younger, you're used to the voice. So yeah. the words will automatically, it's actually scientifically proven as well. Um, and I mentioned this in my book as well. So when you listen to one reciter every day, I'm not saying don't listen to other reciters, but when you're doing your hifs specifically, choose one reciter and stick to that reciter consistently. It will help you a lot. And that could be your hifs buddy, because that could be someone that could help you in your memorization. So I would say, yeah, just to kind of summarize, using Sha'ban as the planning month for your hifs is definitely going to help you for Ramadan. Mm, definitely I, I think that's a that's a good point you know um something i did as well keeping that consistent reciter um and people may wonder why but it is because that reciter that you've chosen recites at a certain pace 
in a mm. certain kind of tone. Mm. Um, and, and when you mix and match, you know, you're going to get someone who, like Sheikh Sudeis, usually he recites maybe a bit faster than perhaps other reciters. Like when you mm. listen to, for example, Sheikh, Mish- Sheikh Shurain, for example, is quite a yeah, fast reciter yeah, yeah, compared yeah. to Sheikh Mishari, who's usually quite slow. Yeah. Now, if you're yeah. mixing and matching, then it's not going to help. But when you listen yeah. to one reciter, you, you, you're really right. Um, it really, really does help. So even it does. It does. that consistency uh, on that end. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's a good point about Sha'aban, uh, planning in this month, which is obviously mm-hmm. very important to plan ahead for Ramadan. And then Ramadan being that kind of like, you know, month where you execute and you just get mm-hmm. it done. Even if it's small, like I, I, like one thing that Ilmfid have been doing over the last few years is the Suratul Mulk challenge. Yeah. Where basically yeah. one verse a day, 30 yeah. verses in Suratul Mulk, 30 days. So that's like a, a small target, right? It's an mm. achievable target. Mm. Surah Al-Mulk, one surah, Surah Yasin, or, you know, Juz Am, I'm going to mention, I'm going to memorize the last 10, 20 surahs, mm. Surah Al-Duha until the end. Yeah. I think if you set a realistic target, not just like, okay, yeah. I'm going to go to Surah Al-Baqarah and however yeah. much I can do, I'm going to do. Because yeah. you can maybe do 10 verses by the end of the month. Maybe you're going to do 50, but mm. it's not It's not set. So I think setting yourself yeah. that... um specific more specific measured target yeah. i think is really important uh, and, and also just just to mention as well uh, habibi also in ramadan um understanding the quran is very important so you know like islam channel iman channel they have the translation at the bottom when the yeah. imams are reciting that's a good tool to connect with the quran so one recommendation i was making is along with planning for sha'ban when you're when you're memorizing a surah like what you mentioned surah mulk if you're doing mm-hmm. one verse a day maybe read through the translation of that verse several times and, and that way you can connect more because a lot of people actually memorize the Quran through connecting stories together and Quranic stories. And it's amazing how much your hips can strengthen once you know what the Quran mm. is talking about. So that's something I wanted to mention as well. It's not just about memorizing. It's also about acting upon the Quran as well. Yeah, thank you for mentioning that because I think, you know, when we say half-field of the Quran, yeah. we're not just talking about, okay, I've memorized. You know, we're talking yeah. about mm. this is someone who is preserving the Quran through what? Not just through memorization, but through their acting upon it and so on. And in fact, you know, there's the, the famous hadith of, um, you know, reciting the Quran and ending up in the, in the heavens, you know, uh, 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 you know, like Iqra or Taqeed, you know, this yeah. famous, yeah. I think we always think about a hafiz itself, but actually the mm. Prophet he mentions like Sahibul Quran, yeah. right? Sahibul Quran means a companion of the Quran. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean someone who's just memorized it. You could have someone yeah. who's memorized the Quran, but, uh, you know, you and I, I'm sure, you know, without yeah. going into this, you yeah. and I both know lots of people who have memorized the yeah. Quran, but they're, yeah. they're doing their own thing in life. They've got yeah. no connection yeah. with the Quran. Yeah. But then you become a person who maybe hasn't memorized the Quran, but you're trying really hard. You're connecting with it. You're reciting it. You're acting on it. You're trying to understand it. That is what the Prophet mean, means by Sahibul Quran, a true yeah. friend and uh, mm. companion of the Quran, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's to preserve, isn't it? It's to preserve the Quran, you know, yeah. preservation. And like you mentioned, there's so many people that are not Hufad or Hafidah, but they preserve the Quran more than someone who's memorized the Quran. And exactly. it's not just about like, I think preserving is one, but it's protecting what's in your heart. And how do you protect that? It's by showing that you are a person. Like when Aisha Anha was asked about the Prophet, she said he is the Quran. You know, he was the walking, talking example of the Quran. So, you know, um, it's, it's beautiful. Like, there's so many verses about this, you know. There's one like, وَقَالَ رَسُولُ يَا رَبِّ إِنَّ قَوْمِ الْقُرْآنَ مَهْجُورَ For example, where mm-hmm. some people on a day of judgment, they will be away from the Quran. But then they'll be like, no, but I memorized the Quran. How can I be away from the Quran? But you did not instill the values of the Quran into your daily lives. This is more important than memorizing the Quran. It might be personally, I think what you understand, 
how you how you implement the Quran is much more important than what you've memorized. Mm, absolutely, I think that's a really important uh, uh, and good point to end on, inshallah. Before yeah. we go, coming yeah. back to this book, 365 Tips to Help You Memorize the Quran, um, where can our Ilmfeed family find this book? Uh, you can buy it. So the website is getmy365, the number 365.co.uk. That's, alhamdulillah, I've made the main website for it now. But it's also available on Amazon, on eBay. Um, if you just type in Google, 365 tips, memorize the Quran, it will come up, inshallah. So there's plenty of platforms to buy. Do support the work as well and do purchase it. And also, um, those of you that have um, read the book, please do give feedback as well. Um, and there will be some special Ramadan promos we'll be doing as well, inshallah. So do do check out. Um, so yeah, the main website is getmy365.co.uk. That's it, everyone. So that's where you can get the book from. Highly recommend that you get it. Alhamdulillah, it's, it's done amazingly well. And it's helped so many people so far. And, you know, we, we've, we've only touched the surface today in this mm. podcast. So really, if you want further details, do check out the book, inshallah, and purchase it. Uh, that is all we have time for, everyone. I just wanted to thank Qadiyas Hat once again for joining us. Thank you so much. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. It's nice that we finally, alhamdulillah, after a year or two of planning, finally together, mashallah. Alhamdulillah. Thank you so much. May Allah bless you in your in your work and in your future work, inshallah. And for our viewers and listeners, thank you so much once again for joining us. May Allah bless you all. And yeah, we look forward to seeing you again soon. May Allah allow us, inshallah, to reach the month of Ramadan. Ameen. And make use of it. Otherwise, we'll end it here. Take care of yourselves. Be sure to subscribe to our channel. From myself, Shabir from Qadi Ashaq. Until next time. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Thank you,